to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody. This is Adrian Garland, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I can't wait to share with you my guest today. Her name is Elizabeth Kramer, and she's a multi-passionate serial entrepreneur who's gone from corporate to entrepreneur and has so many stories to tell. Elizabeth has also started Empowered by E!, during this pandemic or because of this pandemic to really help women, to inspire them and to empower them. And one of the things that I absolutely love about the way that she describes what she does is that she uplifts women through no bullshit advice. Now, you can see why Elizabeth is my guest today because I don't like bullshit. <laughs> so welcome to Sugar Coated Elizabeth. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you today and just to continue the conversation that we had a couple of months ago. I was introduced to you from a mutual friend that we've both known for such a long time. And I love to uh, just tell people about how uh, I met people because it just goes to show that networking is very powerful and you never know who you're going to meet. And I'm so happy to be in company with you now and to see you building Empowered by E. But let's take a step back. So you started out in the corporate world, and I want to hear sort of that that rise through the corporate ranks and then what prompted the jump to entrepreneurship. Okay. Well, I had an opportunity straight out of college. I worked all the way through school, but straight out of college, I went to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which many people do with their management training program. And I actually started there as which I thought was going to be a few months before I went off to grad school. And I loved it so much that I decided to stay. I was actually with Enterprise for nine years. I had a lot of great opportunities there. And most importantly, I was after I think maybe two years with the company, I was chosen as one of four people to go and open up the European division of the company. And Enterprise was a is a privately held company and um, they were expanding throughout the U.S. So this was their first international expansion. And, you know, at an early age and early stage in my career, I had this unique opportunity uh, to really go and start a business from the ground up in a foreign country. Mm. And it, it was really an amazing opportunity, both professionally and personally. I was a small town girl, grew up in Oregon, 
had lived in Oregon my whole life. And then I moved to London, this huge city, and and, (laughs) had to learn how to drive on the other side of the road and, you know, all those things. And it was truly an incredible experience. I was there for seven years, was with Enterprise for nine. I was there for seven years. And towards the end of my time there, I was ready to just move on and do something different. I was ready to leave Enterprise and I think was ready to start a family, wanted to get closer to my family and decided to move back to my husband and I decided to move back to Portland. And from there, I I had left Enterprise and my kind of tick list was I wanted a job where I could work less than 40, you know, 40 or less hours a week because at Enterprise, it's 60 to 70 is sort of the expectation Mm. where I didn't have to travel, you know, because I was preparing to start a family and I wanted a small local company. So I went to work for the small local security business that manufactured security equipment. And two months in, uh, the company was purchased by GE. So I went from working from this small local company to a, you know, (laughs) the largest company around and uh, was back to travel and, you know, all of that. And realized though that, you know, just working 40 hours a week didn't ultimately feed my soul building widgets. And so it was a good lesson for me that sometimes when you get what you ask for may not be actually what you wanted. And, Mm. and I, and I, I, I put my two years in there and I learned a lot, especially through the GE experience. But I also learned that the manufacturing industry was just not my gig. And from there, I um, went to work for Kindercare. And at that time, Kindercare was owned by KKR and was just a really well-run company. And for me, it was just, it was an opportunity to use my operational management skills, but also kind of feed my soul at the same time, just bettering the lives of kids and families. And I I just, I loved it. I was there for three years, but halfway through my time there, the company sold. And as in all transitions, you know, things changed significantly. And so within about a year and a half of that, I started kind of getting my feelers out and ready to move on to do something different. And when I was at kindergarten, I was a regional vice president, oversaw a hundred million dollar business, 250 locations, 2,500 employees. So it was, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity, like I said, to use all the operational experience I received at at Enterprise, really. But instead of, you know, polluting the world one more car at a time, I was, you know, taking care of babies. So it was, it was definitely a, a good kind of lesson for me that, that I could work and also do something that was good for the world and also made me feel really good. Mm. So from there, I was actually headhunted to New York, and I um, went to work for a company called Ocelero Learning, which is also in the education space, in the early childhood education space, but serving underprivileged families. So in Head Start programs, it was a for-profit company that was running Head Start programs. And I was did that for a couple of years, really loved the work, uh, but then got headhunted and recruited back to Portland as a COO for an online learning company. The CEO and founder of that company, I had worked with at Kindercare, and he had left there and started this business. And that's Keith Ulrich, who is now my husband. So nice. uh, during all of that transition, <laughs> my uh, my daughter, um, I adopted my daughter. My my her dad and I divorced. I then met Keith, and and we ran his company, sold it to the private equity company that actually owned the University of Phoenix. We became their high school online division. And by the time we left there, the company went, we, we, when I started there, it was about a $7 million company. By the time we left there, it was about a $50 million company. And so at that point, my husband and I and one other partner 
started another online company, which was acquired by the company that my husband is now the CEO of the combined entity. And when that happened, I decided I was ready to do something different between my husband and I. We have three kids, three kids, two dogs. We were both running, you know, in executive level positions and just decided that it was an opportunity for me to to step out and to, to be an entrepreneur, which I had always dreamed of doing, but really I don't think ever had the nerve to do. And thankfully my, my husband supported me and convinced me to to kind of take the leap. And so Mm. that was in 2012. And I spent about six months looking at businesses and got very familiar with bizbysell.com. I looked at their listings every day. I got to know a number of brokers in the Portland area. And my goal was to buy a small local business within an hour of my home in the Mm. service sector and in something that I was passionate about. So the first business that I bought, I still own, was Northwest Women's Fitness. It's an all-women's gym. And it's been around for over 75 years, uh, always serving women. And uh, I have actually some marketing materials from early the early days of Northwest Women's Fitness when they, you know, you'd walk in and zip yourself into a box that sweat you and sweat you out. Oh my gosh. Or the little machines that like shook you, you know, it was that. that, Oh my gosh, wow. That's what working out at an all-women's gym was back in the day. But now it's a full, you know, we've got group fit classes, we've got a weight room, we've got a cardio room, all of that. And so it's a really special place that allows women of all ages, all body types to come in and be in a safe environment to be able to work out. So that was my first let me, business. Let me stop you. Yeah. yeah and let me yeah. stop you because I, I, you've said so much and it's <laughs> such an, no, really. And it's such an incredible journey. And what I, what I want to share is that, you know, when you graduated from college and got into this uh, enterprise rent-a-car, you know, management program, I know exactly what you're talking about. They had all of those on campus. Mm-hmm. There were, you know, CBS, and, yep. <laughs> you know, enterprise rent-a-car and everything. And um, they were really coveted positions because they did offer such incredible training. And what I'm sort of hearing throughout everything that you're talking about is that this operational experience was something that really allowed you to sort of propel yourself through different industries, across different types of careers, and then ultimately into this like investment role where you are looking for companies to to purchase and to run yourself. And I, I just I wonder from, you know, a personality perspective, is that something when you were in college or, you know, even before that you had imagined that you were somebody that was, you know, operationally inclined? Or is that something that you you found your way toward because of the the training at Enterprise? Yeah, um, I think I had always seen myself. I mean, I, I got a, an econ uh, major in college. I'd always seen myself as a business minded person, mm-hmm. and assumed that at some point I would work in the business world. Hoped that someday I might own my own business. And when I got kind of on the corporate track, I actually believed I would always be on the corporate track. I actually considered myself sort of a corporate snob. It was, you know, when I I looked at people who bought businesses and sort of thought, oh, you know, I guess that would be (laughs) one way to move forward in your career. But I just sort of saw like, well, you know, the big company, the big title, the perks, all of that was kind of what drove me to 
continue to excel was, you know, what was the next challenge? What was the next opportunity? I often was known as kind of the turnaround operator. Um, mm-hmm. I got given the the regions that were failing and, you know, and then I came in and worked my magic and got them turned around. And so I think I've always sort of been inclined toward operations, but I, I also, there have been challenges in my career because I think this happens for many women, but it certainly uh, happened for me. I was often asked and sometimes persuaded to move out of operations and into, I would say, kind of more traditional roles that women take. You know, I was encouraged to consider HR. I was encouraged to do marketing, in particular marketing and sales. And really at the end of my career at Enterprise, I had moved out of operations and into a um, marketing director position where I was out, you know, in the field all the time working with with our the insurance companies who provide, who basically did most of our referrals for our business. And, and I just wasn't fulfilled by it. I, I did good work and I saw the impact of my work, but, but I really am driven by hiring great people, motivating them, you know, making the tweaks that you need to make to a business uh, to be successful. And so every time I got kind of steered toward a marketing or sales role, I had to kind of fight my way to get back into operations and and ultimately even mm. that enterprise made the choice to leave and you know move my career back into an operating role. And mm. I, I think it's a challenge for women. I think oftentimes women are groomed to do things other than operations. Yeah, I agree with you. And and meanwhile, I think that inherently operations is a wonderful place for women to be. And, you know, again, like a, a sweeping statement, but women are able to sort of see the big picture and how everything, well, all the different ramifications, if you do this, it's going to cause this. And sometimes, again, like generalization, you know, men are super focused on, you know, one aspect of something and sometimes miss mm-hmm. all of the different other components that contribute to success. So I, I think that more women need to sort of embrace the the fact that operations is is a great place. And it often leads to this path that you are about to describe. You know, an operations person is really seen as somebody that understands the fundamentals of the business and how it runs, right? Mm -hmm. Operations and and finance. And so I, I love how you sort of took all of that experience and also, uh, quite frankly, had this level of confidence in your ability to say, you know what, I'm not going to just look for another job or even start a company of my own, but I'm going to buy, <laughs> I'm going to buy another company. And I think that that is something that is truly unique. And I really don't know many women that approach entrepreneurship from the path of purchasing a business. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I'd, I'd love to kind of share that with the audience, that that is a way to go if you are looking to become an entrepreneur. You don't need to start something from the ground up. Right. And I had been part of startups. And so I had had that experience. And like I said, I was often brought in to in the corporate sector into markets and regions that were struggling and getting them turned around. And I'd done that so many times that I just felt like it was my opportunity to do it for myself, uh, to yeah. buy a business and use my expertise to kind of ramp up the business. And a lot of small businesses are started by people who are really passionate about 
whatever that business is. So for example, a gym, right? They're often run by trainers or, you know, people who are, you know, group fit instructors, that kind of thing. They, they, they're, that's what they do. They started, they end up running a gym or owning a gym, which is great. And they're often very passionate about it, but they don't necessarily have the business acumen to look at all the kind of back office workings to create a more profitable, more successful business, right? How do you reinvest your money? You know, that kind of thing. And so I actually approached it as, you know, by buying a business, first of all, you have an automatic revenue stream and you can take a paycheck almost from day one, which when you do a startup, mm. it might be two or three years before you can actually pull any money out. You're, you're, right. you're spending the first year or two just putting money in. And by buying a business, you know, you just have other resources available. You know, there are SBA loans, there's seller financing, you know, somebody wants to sell their business. I think a lot of people are intimidated to make that step because you think, oh my gosh, I don't have a million dollars to go buy a small business. Right. But in fact, a million dollar business would normally throw off a couple hundred thousand in owner benefit, right? And salary and insurance and car, you know, that kind of thing, right? So it replaces, sure. um, it's like a salary. And so you can go and get that financed pretty easily. Um, you know, my first business, I think I had to come up with 20% down. So, you know, that's a pretty big chunk, but I, I came up with half of it and the other 10% I did seller financing. And then the other part, I got an SBA loan. Um, hmm. And so, and the business was already able to support all of that. And, and so right. it didn't, it didn't, you know, it, it didn't all come off of, out of my, you know, my funding, right? So, and, and literally from the first month I bought the gym, I could take a salary. And That's so for incredible. me, that was really, um, really motivating. And, and also part of doing due diligence and making sure that you pick the right company. Because another challenge with buying small businesses is that sometimes they don't, or aren't good record keepers. <laughs> and right. so you got to find one that you feel like either you can do some forensic accounting and go and kind of build your own P&L and projections or you find somebody who has done a good job with that. And what I found is that sometimes it's finding the right broker that's selling a business because good brokers, before they put a business on the market, they will go and kind of do their own forensic accounting and kind of build out exactly what the performance has been over the last three or four years. And you have a little bit more, there's a little more integrity behind the numbers. But of course, doing because, your, you, because you would need to, to, the broker isn't going to want you to come back to him or her and and blame that they haven't, that they sold you a, an empty bill of goods. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. I, I love that. So, and I was very fortunate. The, the very first business, I mean, it took me a long time to pull the trigger on the first one. I mean, I think I started looking in, in probably March of 2012 and I, closed on the first business on 1231 of 2012. So it took me that long to find the right one, to do all the due diligence that I felt I needed to do to feel comfortable that what I was buying was, was what the, it's, they said it was. And, and so I, you know, I think I did a great job on my first purchase. Um, the second business yep. I bought was a learning experience. I bought a doggy daycare and it was a very small business. It was really close to my gym. I love animals and it felt like it was going to be a great fit. But it, ultimately, it was just too small because I couldn't afford to, the business couldn't afford to have a full-time manager, which meant I had to be much more involved on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, it, it just, and it ultimately, it wasn't a great fit. The business itself, it was pretty challenging from a staffing perspective. 
you know, the people in it, you know, my staff at the gym are professionals or people who've invested in their own development to get certified as a trainer or certified as a massage therapist, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, people who work in a doggy daycare are not necessarily, you know, interested in a career, a career path in, in, in learning from someone who has had business experience, right? They just want a job right. and, right. you know, which is fine, but wasn't ultimately what kind of fed me and made me feel excited about the business. And so I, I did, when I bought that business, it was at 50% occupancy. By the time I sold it three years later, it was full and had a waiting list. So we did everything we could to make the most of the business and, you know, sold it to someone else who had other um, animal focused businesses and it's doing really well and I'm super happy for them. But it was Beautiful. for me an experience of like, okay, just because it's a great concept doesn't necessarily mean it's a great fit for my portfolio. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love how you were able to infuse what it needed in order to allow it to continue to grow. So, I mean, I can imagine the person that even founded the company is proud in in a way that that the business lives on beyond them. Yeah. And so I, I think I, I love this. And, you know, because specifically I'm so interested in this whole idea of entrepreneurship and especially now, I think it is so important that women understand that the entrepreneurial path can be an amazing path for them. You talked about how corporate you, you reach a point in corporate and it doesn't work for your life anymore. I think so many people can relate to that. And so what are the options after that, right? And of course, starting your own business is, is a path, as are many other things. But then buying a business is also another path. And it's one that that's an option that I don't think a lot of people talk about or understand how you would even approach doing it. So I really mm -hmm. appreciate you going into a little bit more detail about how that happened. And, you know, I just think it would be super interesting for you to kind of get that message out there because so many women have lost their jobs during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, I love how you laid out your criteria of how it had to be close to you, how it had to, you know, satisfy your passion, how it had to have meaning. And anybody, anybody can make those criteria for themselves. You don't need to be anybody special in order to lay out what you want and then to at least do research to take steps in that direction. So I just, I, I'm loving this conversation so much. And I really want more people to hear about, you know, buying a business as a true option. So the uh, pet care business, that wasn't the last business that you bought, was no, it? No. Okay. So after that, <laughs> I love yeah. So yeah. let's see. Within the first year, I bought two businesses. And then it was another, uh, I think, almost two years before I bought the next business. And, and I was looking during that entire time. I probably looked at 300 to 400 businesses. Wow. And the next one that I found that I fell in love with was uh, a trampoline park. It was actually a franchise. And Franchises were not on my list. I I, mm. I felt like I had the expertise to run a business and didn't necessarily want you know want someone else telling me how to run my business, and so I didn't feel like I wanted to get into a franchise. But sure, our local trampoline park had been here for about I think about five years. Had been open 
and came up for sale. And the brand was Sky High Sports. They were one of the original trampoline parks that when this industry started now, probably almost 15 years ago. And I had been there with my children numerous times and I had always walked around it thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much opportunity here. It, it just <laughs> needs someone to come in and spend a little time and energy and a little money. And it would be amazing because the kids love it. They don't care. But but from a parent perspective, you know, it needed to be cleaned. It needed nice seating. It needed good Wi-Fi. You know, they needed to serve wine, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there were times when I would, you know, stand. There was no place to sit. I couldn't get on my computer because there was no Wi-Fi. And my daughter would be there for an hour and want to stay for another hour. And I was like, uh, hell no. I'm we're out of here, right? I need to go get a glass of wine somewhere and sit down. You know, I've been standing for an hour. So, so I bought, we bought that even though it was a franchise, because when we met the franchisor, we realized that the franchisor really wasn't very active, that they kind of let people do what they wanted. They had started these parks in California. The business took off. They had people come to them and say, hey, we want a franchise. And so they just kind of did it and, mm. and they let people do what they wanted. And so we felt like, okay, we're going to be able to run this business the way that we want and have a little support from corporate. So we bought our business. And within two years of buying the business, we had grown it by a million dollars a year in revenue, which was about 45% increase. And we did it by simply doing what I said. We got a liquor license, sold wine. We improved the quality of the food, brought in some healthy options for parents. I really made it a mom-focused business instead of a kid-focused business because, again, Mm -hmm. the kids don't care if it's dirty and the food is unhealthy, (laughs) but mom does. And mom's the one paying for it, right? Right. So, um, so we, you know, we cleaned it up. We changed the color scheme to make it a little more feminine and a little more kid-focused versus it was very masculine, the color scheme was before. Um, And um, we got in great Wi-Fi. We brought in all kinds of seating options and we were packed. It was a great business. Wow. And we loved it so much. And we were, you know, the number one franchisee that we, I went to the original founders and just said, you know, what's your plan? And they're like, well, we think we're going to kind of get out of the business at some point. So I bought the franchisor from them. Mm, So I bought the rights to the corporation. And I had, at that time we had, I think, nine or 10 franchises around the country. And and then within a couple of years, maybe a year um, of that, we then bought their their corporate stores. So they had three stores that they owned. And then I bought those. Those were all in Northern California. So we had owned those okay. for about nine months, those new stores. And they needed all the same things. We also brought in arcades and new equipment and, you know, kind of refreshed the Portland store when we bought it. We did the same thing when we bought the California store. So we invested a lot of money. We brought in, you know, brand new arcades. We brought in climbing walls. We, you know, upgraded a bunch of um, the, the Wi-Fi and the food and all of that. And they were just starting to take off and COVID hit. And it it literally took out that business. None of those locations to this date have been allowed to reopen because of the restrictions around COVID. And you just, it's just too, you know, a year in, these are buildings that cost 50,000 a month to rent. And you just, you know, your, your revenue goes away the day you close it. uh, Unlike the gym where we have, we had ongoing membership, people paid their memberships throughout. Um, Many of them did. And so we still had some level of income, but when the when the trampoline parks closed, they closed. And so within a few months, and once the moratoriums on rent went away, uh, 
you know, we were really forced to make some hard decisions. And so, and so we did, we've, I never, you know, these are the things that as an entrepreneur, you know, are a risk, you know, some, one of the businesses, all of the businesses that may not work. And so it was a pretty tough, it's been a pretty tough year, but we're, we're getting through it and the gym is, is surviving. And um, I launched Empowered by E and now I'm just looking at, you know, what's next for us. I love this. Wow. And, you know, I teach a couple different classes now, mainly focused around entrepreneurship and business plan development and new venture creation. And, you know, I want to put you in the textbook because, (laughs) I mean, really, your entrepreneurial journey is amazing. And it really covers so many different things that we talk about in class. And, you know, I always try to paint the picture that it's not all, you know, sunshine and and rainbows, (laughs) that there are, you operate in uncertainty, right? But that's what also makes you an entrepreneur, being able to see the opportunity in the uncertainty. So while that is a huge challenge and it may end up being something that, you know, is disappointing, uh, you know, I wonder when, because things will come back, especially with the the vaccines and, and the rollouts and everybody just needing to get outside. Is that business still available to build back up or is that something that you've gotten out of your portfolio? Yeah. So we were, we had to liquidate those businesses. So those, those particular businesses are, you know, are done and not able to be revived, but we already have, we've had a number of private equity investors reach out to us because we were successful operators in the family entertainment space. And as Mm -hmm. you can imagine, if you have the capital, there are a lot of opportunities to scoop up these family entertainment centers, you know, at sure. a, you know pennies on the dollar. And so sure. there are a number of private equity companies that are looking to do that. And and a lot of these are independently owned, you know, family businesses, and they're wanting to do uh, roll up strategies. And so we've had a number of people reach out to us as potential, you know, operators, board members, sure. you know, that kind of thing. So I, I think this industry will come back, but I think it's it will come back in a couple. It'll probably take a couple more years before uh, agreed. Right. People are I mean, you know, we would have a thousand kids on a Saturday, right, in a trampoline park. And you just that's not gonna happen for a while. <laughs> no, it's not. No. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. And so so then you launched your own brand which is focused on empowering women, which I love because that has definitely been a thread throughout. So tell us about Empowered by E and, you know, what you see that really growing into. Yeah, so it it really started, a friend of mine reached out to me and suggested that I do this. And, you know, I I, I would say that I've probably not been a great self-pruder throughout my career. And was it, I, I'm a good networker within the industry that I'm in, but I haven't always put the time and energy into networking outside of the industry that I'm, you know, that I'm invested in at that point in my career. Mm-hmm. And so this was an opportunity to to really just take all of my experience, both professional and personal, and kind of just put it out there for the world and allow people to learn from, you know, my successes, my failures, my challenges, and also to to really network throughout the community, really throughout the country. I mean, now social media is everywhere. And 
and throughout the world. I mean, I have followers from Germany and from the UK and, you know, to share my story and to hopefully help women to kind of, like you said, you know, sort of take those steps, right? It's hard to, whether it's moving within your corporate position and trying to figure out where you fit and, or it's, you know, making the change to the entrepreneurial side of things, or, you know, whether that's starting your own business or uh, buying a business. So I just, this friend of mine who suggested this said, look, I always send people to you when they're talking about what they want to do in their career. I, I just do it. If it's, there's a woman that needs some direction, I send them to you. And, yeah. you know, not just women. And this, this happens to be a man, but he's, but in particular, women who, who are really looking at, you know, what they want to do. And he said, so why not make that a brand for you? Sure. And so I did. And it's been really great. And it was something positive for me to focus on and uh, during a pretty challenging time you know, sure. during the, the closure of my companies and, and all of that. And, um, and, you know, in the beginning, I thought, I don't really know if I have that much to share. And, you know, here I am with, I think I've now I've had four months worth of content out there and, and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm getting a lot of great feedback. And, you know, I, I'm not sure yet, you know, what it will ultimately be. But, you know, my goal isn't necessarily to, to, to just be an influencer. I mean, I try to look at it more as a thought leader and, a support, you know, somewhere for women to go to, to, to just see, how, you know, how this works. Um, and, um, and from it, you know, I actually have a meeting next week with a company that has reached out to discuss, they're trying to do some women empowerment initiatives within their own corporation. And so they've reached out to me to see if I can offer them some guidance. Mm. So that's great. I mean, I would, I would love to continue to build upon that and helping companies to, you know, break down the boys club and really seek out building a company that is welcoming. I mean, not, not just to women, to diversity in general. Sure. And then, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, get more involved in networking through, you know, other women's organizations and, you know, you know, things like this and just really trying to, I, I guess, kind of put myself out there a bit more yeah. than I have throughout my career. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love what you stand for and sharing your story like this in such a an authentic way and being willing to, you know, answer questions and not feel like you need to present this perfect Pollyanna picture of yourself. <laughs> that is the stuff that's empowering. It's not empowering to, you know, look to somebody who seems to have it all together and that they're perfect. It's just not reality. So the more that we can be out there sharing our stories and sharing whatever, um, you know, challenges we faced or if we, we think that things are a failure, they're really not. They're, they're opportunities to learn. They're opportunities to understand where things might go wrong, to be able to plan appropriately. So I just, I really, really appreciate you sharing your story like that and being so open about everything. I think it's going to go a long way if, you know, to help draw people to you. They're going to want to know even more. And I, I can just imagine that more women are going to want to reach out to you and say, you know, hey, I've had my eye on this business, but I just haven't known how to do this, especially because there's so there's so many pieces of the financial part of the equation that are super intimidating that women don't necessarily know how to address. So I just see 
huge opportunity for you, um, not only to just help women, you know, guide them through the, the next phases of their career journey, but really help to, you know, financially, economically empower them to own businesses of all types and not just mm-hmm. to start something from the ground up, but to be able to really step into a role and make it better that, you know, a friend of mine the other day sent me this quote from some guru. And of, of course, I don't know exactly what it was, but, you know, this guru uh, said, you know, you give a, a woman you know, a seed and we, we make a garden out of it. You give us, you know, whatever. And we, we basically take what we're given and we turn it into something incredible and magical. And so I think that this option of being able to, you know, find a, a smaller business or even a bigger business, I mean, hell, you know, we don't need to set our site small, but to know that we can go in and take a look around, <laughs> figure out what needs to be cleaned up and figure out what needs a little bit more love and attention. I mean, this is what we do naturally as women. Yeah, that's right. So I love it, Elizabeth. I, I just, I'm inspired by you and I am so grateful to have had this conversation with you and that we can share that this with you know, the listeners of Sugar Coated with the the She Leads Media Network, our podcast network, our conferences. The, I think that people are going to be hearing a lot more of you. And I'm just really thrilled to sort of be at the, you know, at the ground level with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think we could probably talk for another, you know, 45 minutes, but I, I think let's end it on this incredible high note. And I would love it if you could just let everybody know where they could, you know, find you, reach out to you, talk to you, connect with you. Great. So you can go to my website is www.empoweredbye.com. You can also reach out to me directly at e at empoweredbye.com. And I would love it if you could follow me on Instagram and Facebook at empowered.by.e. Love it. And and people can work with you too, right? You do coaching and uh, do you do coaching is the question. Yes. Yes. I do Great. executive coaching and I also do consulting. So I do consulting for companies and, and also entrepreneurs to help them to you know figure out where their challenges that they're facing within their business or helping them to find their next business. And, and then coaching for women in particular, but I've also done coaching for men just to help them to figure out kind of what's next in their career or, you know, if they're stuck in, in their current position or um, looking to do something completely different. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open. I know that a lot of people are going to take away so much from this episode. So I would love it if anybody listening could please check out uh, the the She Leads Podcast Network and all of our great shows that are on there, which give voice to other women leaders and entrepreneurs like myself and like Elizabeth. And please check out SheLeadsMedia.com to see when our next conference is coming up. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has just been absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Adrian. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.